Hello everyone and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast, all things dyslexia. Today we have a very special guest with us who will be speaking about dyslexia and anxiety. But before I go into the podcast, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy, the CEO and founder of HY Dyslexia, and we bring you all the podcasts into your homes. I'd like to first of all thank our funders, Awards for All Community Fund, for funding this amazing podcast series that we've got going on for one year. I think it's really phenomenal that they're able to support us to reach many homes, people with dyslexia and specific learning difficulties who may really benefit from um, our podcast that we will be sharing today with you. So I've introduced who I am. I'd like to bring on my special guest today. Her name is Yasmin Clark. She is a psychotherapist and a mental health practitioner and we're here to talk about dyslexia and anxiety. Yasmin, welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. How are you feeling? Hi, hi Elizabeth. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm actually quite, quite excited, but a little bit nervous, um, but looking forward to speaking with you, definitely. Oh, wonderful. Yasmin, honestly, it's not a scary thing at all. <laughs> I just want you to feel really relaxed. I just think we are so privileged to have you on our podcast today because I think it's great that you work with people with mental health um, um, issues, so to speak. And you also have dyslexia and anxiety. And when that, when we reach out to you and you were able to come on our podcast and talk about your lived experience, as well as you know some of the experiences that you've seen working with people in general, we were so privileged. We felt really, really privileged to have you on our on our podcast. So I want you to feel so relaxed, as relaxed as you can be. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. Wonderful. Now, Yasmin, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, why you do what you do, and why you're passionate to make a change. Yeah, so I am trained now as a psychotherapist. I have always worked in health and social care in some capacity. Um, I started off doing a health and social care diploma and then I moved on to psychology and then psychotherapy. So really centering myself in mental health. And I've worked as a mental health support worker. I've worked in different kind of um, educational settings. So schools, colleges, I'm now at university providing therapeutic sessions um, for students. And at the moment, I specifically work with students. Well, I work with all students, uh, but I specifically also specialise in working with students who identify as an ethnic minority in the higher education setting. Um, And that can come with many barriers. Students that identify as an ethnic minority in higher education So those that are diagnosed with a mental health condition and those that are diagnosed with a learning difficulty can face added pressures, whether it is navigating just day-to-day tasks or how to manage exam stress and anxiety, sometimes being labelled as kind of the racialised other in a a very white space. So all these different factors can really impact on students and their well-being. And I'm there to really um, give them advice and guidance on that and and support them through that journey. That's really amazing. Thank you so much for that, Yasmin. I know like there's a little bit of biography here. Yasmin Clark has supported individuals with a wide range of psychological and mental health difficulties. Her values and clinical practice centre around an intersexual 
I hope I've said that right. Intersectional. That's it. That's I always it, say yeah. that word wrong. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I, I always say it wrong, honestly. Intersectional approach. Now, I'm glad I've said that right this time. She enjoys engaging in conferences regarding mental health in marginalized communities, walking, walking in, a, in a peak district and art exhibitions. That's really, really amazing. Thank you so much, so much for, for your time today. I'm going to go straight to my first question. How have you managed with your dyslexia and anxiety? Yeah, so for me, I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was 19 and dyslexia when I was 20. So I'd already gone through quite a large amount of my um, kind of education, if you'd like, without having those diagnoses. So it, you know, for me, it was quite a relief to get those diagnoses because it, it really put a lot of things, a lot of things really made sense to me as to why I was struggling the way I was. Um, and that really enabled me to develop coping strategies for myself that could help me kind of in education and um, socially or at work. Um, and for me personally, time management and planning and organization is one of the main things that helps me on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, not being super rigid with it or anything like that because I don't think that's that's you know the healthiest but just thinking about how I can manage my time effectively whether that's kind of socially or tasks at work or things that I need to do outside of that so a lot of google calendar and tasks and planning and things like that um, and, and as well and this is something that I'm gradually Kind of coming to terms with is being honest with myself and with whether it's employers or people in my life that I just need a little bit more time to process things and that doesn't mean that I'm you know any less capable of achieving the things that I want to do or doing the tasks that are expected of me at work or you know working with students it just means that I need that, you know, little extra time to actually reflect and process and take in information and not to be, not, not to feel guilty for that, I guess. And, and that's something that I always try and, and stress um, when I'm working with students with dyslexia or anxiety, that this isn't something that you need to be ashamed of. It doesn't matter if you need to work in a different way. That's okay. Different doesn't mean you know, bad or worse in any way. So yeah, and, and on top of that, just in terms of seeking professional support, I have had psychotherapy support first at uni um, and then paying for myself kind of um, privately as well. That's something that I did do. And, and that really enabled me to really think about coping strategies that I could develop for my own well-being and, and how to be proactive in that, I guess, yeah. Would you would you say there's a common trait um, for dyslexics to also have the condition anxiety? Is it quite a common trait? Is that because, because I'll be honest with you, for me, for example, um, as much as I do all these podcasts and live shows and run this organisation and all the other talks I give, I am quite a nervous person, to be honest. And I'm being quite honest today in this podcast because it, it, I am quite nervous sometimes. And because for me, it's like, what if I say the wrong thing? Because part of my dyslexia is also pronunciation and words like this big word that I've mispronounced. And it, it can be quite embarrassing sometimes. So before I have to give a talk, it's like, I've got to keep practice. I've got to make sure I'm doing this right. And that, there can be so much anxiety around that. Would you say that's a common trait for a lot of dyslexic people? 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you for, you know, sharing that as well, because I think it's something that a lot of people um, that have dyslexia, they do carry a lot of anxiety or a lot of worry. And for many of the reasons that you just said there in terms of whether it is how they present themselves or how they're being judged on their work, a lot of the time, the, the education system and the employment system is not set up for neurodivergent people. So having to always maybe um, present yourself as if you're not facing these barriers, that can just add to the stress. It can add to the worry. So Zoe, I think it's definitely very common and something that I see a lot in students, to be honest, yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Yasmin. And anyone who's listening, honestly, this is really important that if you are actually, if you feel that you might be, you've got anxiety issues or you're scared or worried about something, please do seek professional help because I mean, Yasmin will probably back me up on what I'm about to say. If you get the help and the support you need, you can maybe, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it may sort of reduce the anxiety, but if you feel like, oh, it's all right, everybody else is going through it and you keep it to yourself, that could have a, 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 a knock-on effect. Would you agree with me that on that, Yasmin? Definitely, yeah. And it's, I completely understand, it's, it's easier said than done taking mm. that first step to get support. And it is a bit of a minefield, you know, there's so many different places that you can get support. Unfortunately, sometimes there's, you know, long waiting lists, sometimes you might have to, you know, pay for that. Um, You have to sometimes do a lot of digging, so it can be very daunting, but it's definitely worth it. And I always encourage people to do it, definitely, yeah. Wonderful. That sort of takes me straight to my next question. What are the signs of anxiety? Yeah, so the way I like to describe anxiety, um, so everybody has stress, everybody has worry in their life, and, and that's normal, you know, that, that's a part of our life, but when it gets to a stage when that stress and that worry is something that you can't control or it's causing a significant impact on your day-to-day life, or it's actually preventing you from doing things, that's when it becomes an issue. Um, and I think it's six months. I think that the, the actual definition is for that to, for that to be quite prolonged. Um, and if you kind of think of anxiety in four different areas, so you'll have emotions, behaviours, thoughts and physical sensations. Um, So emotions, things like being irritable or feeling angry or guilty or fearful, that feeling, I don't know if you ever get where you're just on edge, you know, you just, you know, you just can't keep still um, or there's some kind of impending doom. So those kind of emotions and then behaviours as well. I think sometimes they're easier to identify than emotions. So in terms of maybe poor concentration and memory, which of course, you know, um, it links with dyslexia, definitely. Um, isolating yourself in your room, just avoiding public spaces, not wanting to talk to family and friends, um, and changes in your sleep or your eating habits as well. Um, They're definitely some of the behaviours to be aware of. Um, And then physical sensations, which 
for me, that is one of the main things I experience with my identity. So that is one of the kind of, um, that's an area that I look at definitely for me to reflect on where my anxiety might be rising. So um, things like um, muscle tension, just feeling super, super tense and feeling tearful or crying and um, headaches even diarrhea you know I'm going to say you know it happens you know it's very common um you know lack of physical energy um so yeah there's some of the kind of the physical symptoms and then lastly some of the thoughts that people might have so um quite critical quite judgmental really kind of a harsh mean voice that you might have in your head so things like, you know, I just, I'll never be good enough, or I just want it all to go away. Um, I can't handle this. I can never relax. So thought, thoughts of that kind of tone, really. Um, so yeah, I guess four different areas there, which are all quite important to, to, to recognise in yourself. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's so great to actually keep hearing that um, from you, because with somebody who's got that lived experience, you, you would definitely, I mean, does anxiety affect people in different ways or would you say that what you've described is quite a common trait? Yes, I would say that definitely some of the behaviours, there are common ones, definitely. And the ones that I've listed there are probably the most common ones. But I always say it's really important for you to recognise what your symptoms of anxiety might be. So, for instance, one person with anxiety might overeat they might constantly eat but another person might not eat at all you know so it, it can be very personal in that way as well yeah well wow. so thank you so much for that that's really amazing now what are some of the tips you could give to our listeners anything that's quite beneficial for the dyslexic community um, and anyone who's got anxiety and dyslexia what some yeah. what couple of tips maybe two or three tips yeah so I'd say, I guess this is quite a general note, but maintaining your own well-being is so important and it sounds so cliche, um, but we're kind of constantly taught to always be on the go and pursuing things, whether it's, you know, qualifications, employment, money, housing, and of course, you know, all these things are really, really important. But when we're constantly trying to achieve those things, sometimes it can come at the cost of our own well-being. So yeah, and I think especially if you're from a marginalized community as well, you might be actually trying to do all that whilst also battling other barriers so whether that is you know institutional racism and um, community violence and um, discrimination sexism whatever it might be it all kind of takes our toll on us um, so yeah really trying to engage in activities um, that soothe us and that can really Obviously, those things in life, they're not going to go away, you know, they are still going to be there, but trying to take that time for ourselves so we can regulate ourselves more um, and kind of reduce the impact of these stresses. And there are some things that have been kind of scientifically proven to release hormones. See, I'm getting my uh, words twisted now. We're trying to say chemical words um, such as serotonin, oxytocin, um, endorphins. Um, 
so things and they're really quite basic you know like light cardio exercise um, having a sleep routine being in green spaces uh, muscle relaxation techniques um, reading fiction eating a nutritious diet um, limiting your exposure to news headlines and social media so all things you can try and there's lots of things that you can research but what I always say is just because it's popular in social media or it's scientifically proven or you know somebody suggested it it doesn't always mean that it's for you so I think when you're thinking of activities that can reduce your anxiety it's really important that you're actually interested in them you know and that you enjoy them so for me you know things like you know somebody told me to go on a run I'd laugh at them you know that that's not me at all you know actually I'm more creative and that's what I do to try and soothe sometimes you know when I do have that time um so yeah ju just finding things that you're actually interested in things that you enjoy and I think sometimes as well it can be really hard to think of that um, what are my hobbies now? What, what are the things that I enjoy? Because we can get so kind of consumed by whether it's our, um, our work or our job title or, you know, being a carer or a wife, whatever it might be, we actually forget those things that we were kind of passionate about and enjoyed when we were younger. And, and sometimes there's a reason why we like those things when we were younger. Um, so yeah, always a good thing to try and connect with again, because they're most likely to be the things that will be um, most effective, shall we say. And I have got, I have got two more. Yeah, I think, um, dedicating the time to actually do these things and that could be really hard I don't know about you but sometimes you just feel like you're so busy thinking about things that you can do to reduce anxiety levels or stress levels is like that that's too much on top of you know everything else I've got to do but if you can think of it in a way that is you being kind of proactive instead of reactive in maintaining your well-being so it's beneficial for now to reduce those anxiety levels and if I try and do this regularly over a long period of time that routine it all it all adds up and that can really help reduce things like burnout and exhaustion and it doesn't even have to be a long amount of time I'm not saying you know take the afternoon off work and just chill out or something like that you know it can literally only be you know 15-20 minutes in the morning and that could really change your whole morning and you know set you up for the day um, so yeah doing that repeatedly can can make a difference um, and also I'd say as well and I know this might seem a little bit left field but I've worked with a lot of people with anxiety and dyslexia that do have financial or money issues. And that can be a massive source of anxiety for people. Um, you know, when you don't have that financial security, that can be really consuming. Um, you know, worrying about how you're going to pay the bills, how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to pay for your childcare fees. So, 
it's, it's really important to try and get help for that. And again, not to be ashamed about doing that because that is the reality for a lot of people in the UK. So yes, all this, um, the, the um, word I'm looking for, being proactive in your own well-being and maintaining that regularly is important. But if the if the underlining things that are going on, such as you know money or financial issues, it's super important to address those as well. Um, and Citizens Advice they do a lot of advice and guidance, and they have branches all all across the country as well. Oh, thank you so much, Jasmine. That's really amazing. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on A2I Dyslexia podcast. It's a real pr- privilege to have you um, here today talking to our dyslexic community, both young and old. I said old, both young and elderly or old or whatever the word is. <laughs> I'm trying to find a word for it. Adult is the right word, yeah. yeah. Um, and and, and it, it, across the board, I think, you know, this podcast will help many people with dyslexia specifically and difficulties. Um, we also do say that, look, you know, you don't have to have dyslexia to listen to our podcast. You know, this can help everybody um, who may be going through anxiety and, and other issues as well. And I want to say thank you very much, Yasmin, for your time, for coming on to A2I Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia. I'd like to take this opportunity also to thank our funders, Awards for All Community Fund, for making this podcast possible. And a very big thank you to Yola for producing these podcasts for almost almost a year and a half now that we've been doing this for. And she's been really fantastic in supporting the amazing work that we do at A2I with her expertise in producing these podcasts that reach many, many homes across the country. And we're very grateful for that. I want to say thank you very much to our listeners for listening to our podcast and you know making our ratings go up on all the different platforms. Continue to share the podcast with other people. We do have Yasmin's um, you know, um, social media handles. When I say that, social media handle, for example, she's on LinkedIn. Um, so if anybody wants to connect with her, yes, they can do that. Thank you, everybody. See you next week, same time, same place, with a different topic. Bye-bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by Awards for All. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.